0: This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Paddo. Today I'll be covering Jurassic World Dominion. The sixth and what at the moment seems like the final film in the Jurassic franchise, a franchise that has now expanded two trilogies. Uh, we have received the original Jurassic Park trilogy kicked off in 1993 by Steven Spielberg's Epic, followed up by Jurassic Park uh, The Lost World, a sequel that I actually am quite fond of and I understand it has its haters, but... It's a film that I think captures the spirit of the original uh, film. I think that there is a lot of Spielberg's awe and wonder still in that film, and I I really enjoy it. Jurassic Park 3 is okay. Uh, In retrospect, with this new trilogy, it's definitely not as bad as some of the later entries are. Uh, Jurassic World, which kicked off this new, um, I guess, legacy trilogy, soft reboot, whatever you want to call it, uh, in 2015, uh, starring Chris Pratt, um, Bryce Dallas Howard, directed by Colin Trevorrow, who returns uh, in the latest film. Uh, then we had, in 2018, Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, the J.A. B- Bayona-directed film, a film that is one of the dumbest blockbusters I've ever seen. Uh, it definitely has its charm, but there's a lot of things in there that really irritate me as a, as a film fan and a... I guess, a fan of this franchise. Uh, one thing I will say about that film, though, is that it is incredibly well-directed. Jay Bayona, who uh, like directed a film called uh, Monster Calls, which I think is a fantastic film, uh, lends his visual style there and obviously has a love for the practical effects and the blending of CGI and practical. It's just a really well-lit, well-directed film. Uh, and then this year we've got Jurassic World Dominion, uh, a film that I was not anticipating at all. And I, it was a film I knew I had to see on the big screen. I had to see out this franchise. I've seen Jurassic Park uh, 3, um, World, Fallen Kingdom and now Dominion all on the big screen. Uh, I am a fan of that first film. And like I said, The Lost World definitely has its place in my heart. Uh, there were two films that I watched on repeat as kids on VHS, then on DVD, and then on Blu-ray and now on 4K. I, I just love that Uh, that idea and that initial idea that group of characters and and the same can be said here i I think you know you you can look at this film through rose-colored glasses and i know a lot of fans will be that there's people out there who definitely are a fan of this rebooted trilogy which i respect but i'm just not one of them I, i definitely see this franchise for what it is i've enjoyed moments of it definitely but I've also found myself just asking why, how during a lot of the films. And I feel that, you know, there are fans out there who are just like, oh, it's it's meant to be fun, you know, turn off your brain and enjoy it. I can do that a lot of the time. Like I I, I find myself watching a film and thinking, you know what, I understand how dumb this is. I understand what's going on. Let's just sit back and, and be swept away in what's going on, the plot, the story. But... I wasn't able to do that as well with the Jurassic World franchise, and I don't know if it's because they really tried hard to ground the film in reality, so it did have that sense of, you know, this could really happen. I don't know if it was because of that, but when you start to question the logic, everything just falls apart in in this franchise, and, uh, you know, I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand where the producers and the writers and the and the directors of these films have been where they wanted to go like I, I just don't get it. I've just found myself constantly looking at the film just thinking what really uh, okay like I I just don't really understand the the logic behind where they wanted to go. Colin Trevorrow, the the producer of these three films and who's directed two of them now, he did mention that, this third film is what he's been leading up to tell. This is the story he wanted to tell from the start, and a lot of people saw that in Fallen Kingdom because it definitely felt like a placeholder film to a larger story. But if it's the film that he wanted to tell, I I don't really see why. Jurassic World is a far better film. Um, Trevorrow's definitely improved as a filmmaker because one complaint, and I totally agree, uh, that first film is very flatly directed. There's no charm. There's no... Uh, there's no style it's very flat everything looks very sterile uh and then bayona came along and directed um the best looking out of these three new films with fallen kingdom the fallen kingdom just lacks in the in the script and the the screenplay it's just such a lazily written film um then we have this third film now with dominion which is sort of picking up the pieces and trying to tie everything in a nice neat bow whilst also being a sequel to the original Jurassic Park. there's references there to the lost world or the acknowledgement of sauna and Nubla, which is something that a lot of people have been you know going back and forth on that they acknowledge that. but I'm assuming that the the fallout of their relationship, um, especially with um, Neil and, and Sattler played by um, well, sorry uh, Grant and Sadler um, played by Sam Neil and um, and Laura Dern who return here. Uh, their relationship fallout that we saw glimpses of in uh, Jurassic Park 3. We're obviously not in, uh, acknowledging that film. So I, I just don't yeah, t- don't really get it. This is a very messy franchise, and it's all culminated in this last film, and I've just got my issues. There's things that I like, there's things that I don't like, and there's things that I doubt right just don't love at all. I, I borderline hate it. Uh, so... A lot to say, so let's just get stuck into this one um, before I, I, I ramble on any any further. So take it away, trailer. Blue had a baby. That's impossible. Hey, girl. You look just like your mother. You. I am gonna get her back. <laughs> Genetic power has now been unleashed. We made a terrible mistake. The doomsday clock might be about out of time. It's gonna survive. What it matters is what we do now. I could use your expertise. You coming or what? A baby raptor? I made a promise we would bring her home. You made a promise? To a dinosaur. Yeah. What? Everybody hold on to somebody. That can't be right. Biggest carnivore the world has ever seen. Run. See, not so bad. So Jurassic World Dominion was directed by Colin Trevorrow and stars Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, DeWanda Wise, uh, Mamadou Athi, Isabel Sermon, uh, Campbell Scott, and B.D. Wong, Um, and follows after four years after the destruction of Isla Nubla. Dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. The fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to retain the apex predators on the planet. Um, They now share with the history's most fearsome creatures in a bold new era. Uh, That's putting it lightly. Let's actually discuss what this film is about. Um, Essentially, there is a new tech conglomerate that has taken the place of uh, the previous uh, tech companies that have controlled uh, these films, uh, we now have Bison, which is run by an eccentric billionaire played by Campbell Scott. Um, and essentially they're trying to trying to just take over the world, really. they're, they're controlling dinosaurs now they've put them on this new uh, U- Butte um, sanctuary where they all live in harmony. Um, so there's like heaps of dinosaurs on this on this island and whilst there's also black market deals and people farming them and various things all over the world. But Bison have developed these locusts, um, which are just you know wreaking havoc, destroying crops all over the world, and pretty much going to render the world um, without any food. Uh, we pick up with Ellie Sattler, played again by Laura Dern, who recruits Alan Grant as a venture over to the headquarters of Bison. Um, Ian Malcolm, uh, Jeff Goldblum, is working there. Um, he understands what's going on, and he sort of lets them know, here we go. Uh, meanwhile, Owen Grady, Claire, and uh, their clone daughter, um, Macy Lockwood, um, uh, essentially live in harmony, but poachers come and take Macy, um, and BD Wong essentially wants to use Macy to uh, get rid of the the locust. That, that's, the, that's the premise. That's what we're dealing with here. Um, so if you remember at the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, or Jurassic Mansion, as I more fondly call it, um, in that film, we finish with um, Macy's character releasing the dinosaurs to the world. Now, I'm going to just address my one of my many issues with that film, but um, we established that there's two different buttons that Macy can press here. She can press one that vents the gas... Um, whilst keeps the dinosaurs contained because there's two gates and they're clearly open by different buttons because um, Bryce Dallas Howard's character presses the first button, releases them. She's like, no, I'm not going to release the dinosaurs. It's going to create havoc. Um, Then Macy releases them and is like, they're alive, just like me. And it was the dumbest thing on the fucking planet because, one, the majority of... Of the fans of Jurassic World, that they all tend to agree with Ian Malcolm, which is, yeah, this is chaos. Let's let's not do this. I've been saying this for the last 20, 27 years now. Um, we're not releasing on twenty nearly thirty years. Um, well, I, I, I've been saying, it. look, we're not releasing these dinosaurs. because are going to create havoc. Um, the world will become unbalanced. Let's let them die. It's it's uh, nature correcting itself. You're like, yeah, good good job. That that's that's awesome. That's exactly exactly what is what is happening and, and that's exactly what needs to happen. So then when one of the girls or characters were meant to root for um, is voluntarily freeing these animals to the to the wild, it's like I can't get behind these characters. And for one, I never saw it as a threat because at that time, there was like 10 dinosaurs, uh, maybe even a couple more in captivity. Majority of them are herbivores. From memory, the Velociraptor, the Indoraptor, which is destroyed – and the T Rex were the only big, um, like carnivores. Uh, so, military, get your guns and let, let's kill some dinosaurs. I, I don't understand. And there's always been this, you know, this conversation the, the morality of whether they should be doing this or not. You know, cloning dinosaurs—it's unnatural. Um, let nature take its course. It's always been a huge part of these Jurassic Park films and a huge part of the original novel. But I, I just don't get how this group of producers and writers and Colin Trevorrow thought, Hey, let's, let's make this character do this. Like, yeah, the world will get behind her. No, 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 no. That's clear that that's easily the worst part. I think of any Jurassic park film, you know, you can bring up the, the Raptor saying Alan in a dream sequence to, to um, Sam Neill's character. Like you you can bring that up if you want to, but her releasing those dinosaurs really got under my skin and, um, her character is a little irritating. Here we get a bit of backstory with her mom, which apparently was friends with Laura Dern. I'm I'm fine with that. I don't really care. Um, but I I just find that this main group of characters, you know, that that they boldly disagree with the fundamentals that the fans agree with, you know, of where we stand with this argument. So when they're they're you know actively trying to prevent nature from taking its course it frustrates me and I I understand that there's more elements at play. We have, you know, evil tech companies trying to control, um, you know, the the world with, with, you know, creating genetically modified locusts and whatever the fuck is going on that I I just can't see myself rallying behind these characters. I found Owen Grady uh, played by Chris Pratt to be one of the most dimensionless characters I think I've ever seen in a blockbuster franchise. Couldn't tell you one thing about him. I knew he uh, from the first film he used to be a Navy SEAL um, and he likes Bryce Dallas Howard. That's all I know about him. We haven't learned a single fucking thing about this character over the span of over seven hours now with these three films. And I just find that really grating. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard's character had a bit of an arc in the first film. She was uptight corporate businesswoman who then learnt to free herself and sort of took charge and decided to stand for something. Whether I agree with what she stands for is a completely different argument, but at least her character had development. Owen Grady has fucking nothing. That that character is built around the fact that Chris Pratt knows how to train raptors and that he makes a smart Alec comment every now and then, which was toned down in this film. He barely says anything. He has like two jokes in the whole fucking film. But I just found it to be really frustrating. And that's not a, a, a mark on Chris Pratt because I find him to be incredibly charismatic and charming when he wants to be. And my argument for that is look at Peter Quill in the guardians of the galaxy films. you might be saying, Oh, there's, he's appeared more times. No, he hasn't. He's appeared in two movies by himself and it has been a part of a larger ensemble for another two movies. This franchise has been built around him and Claire played by Bryce Dallas Howard. And I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. I, I don't know. And that I find that frustrating. And, that continues over here. Uh, whenever we cut back to him and Bryce Dallas Howard on their mission, did not care, did, did not care in the slightest. There's an action set piece in Italy or Spain, wherever they are, that I found to be mildly entertaining. I, I thought it was really tense. Uh, they drain most music or musical score from that sequence. Um, and there's these, a couple of these raptors, um, these violent raptors, uh, chasing Owen through the city, and I was like, "Oh, this is a well put together action sequence." Don't really care if he lives or dies because I don't know anything about him, but it's it's relatively entertaining, and I found myself to quite enjoy that. Um, when we're reintroduced to Ellie Sattler and, and and Alan Grant, I thought that the the characters felt pretty apt. Um, they felt like themselves, um, which is a complaint I have in a lot of other legacy type sequels. Um, I mentioned it in my No Way Home review. Andrew Garfield didn't feel like the Spider-Man and Peter Parker we knew from those amazing Spider-Man films. It felt like the one that everyone wanted, but it's not what we actually got. So, tonally, it's inconsistent. In this film, I found that Alan Grant feels like he's walked straight from uh, Jurassic Park. It felt like no time had passed. Uh, Ian Malcolm's the same, and Ellie Sattler. Her role's a little more juicy in this film. I actually found her to get the more most screen time and the most to-do out of the the new group of characters. Um, Grant kind of comes across confused a, a few times, and I, I, I liked their dynamic, um, but I, I just found that it didn't feel like it was the exact same character, which I'm fine with, um, but for the other two, I thought that, that no time had passed. And, and In terms of our reintroduction to Alan Grant, he's doing his thing, um, he, he feels like, you know, there's times where I'm just like, there's Alan Grant, but there's other times where I'm like, oh, there's not. But the other two are fine, and I, I thought that they were really good. Uh, Ian Malcolm is toned down in this film. There's not enough of him, uh, but I really enjoyed seeing Jeff Goldblum on screen, as I always do. There's a great sequence where um, he takes on the... I had to look up the name of the dinosaur, and I, I definitely am not saying it correctly, um, but it's the new big bad on in the film, and it's a giant predator, the Gigantosaurus or Giganotosaurus. I um, don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, but there's a sequence where the locusts are all set on fire. They're pretty much setting fire to the island, trying to burn the evidence. Um, and uh, Jeff Goblin p- picks up like a flaming locust and waves it down and then throws it inside the dinosaur's mouth. And I was like, that's cool. More of that, because I've I, I enjoyed sequences like that. Um, and yeah, out of the characters, that they were the most interesting. Uh, Omar Sy uh, reappears. Uh, he was one of um Owen Grady's raptor training friends in the first film given a brief cameo I saw um when Justice Smith's character from the last film uh he now works for the CIA and he's flicking through a folder and he's like we all got jobs after after the incident in Jurassic World they all got jobs with the CIA he's flicking through photos and there's um Lauren Lapkus's character and Jake Johnson on on an iPad I was like Jake Johnson, he's a funny man. He would have been really good here. Um, They could have used a bit more comic relief. There's a couple moments of levity, but very few because this film keeps this breakneck pace during it, which is something that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom didn't have. It was very boring in that last, uh, last third. But I thought that uh, what they establish um, earlier on with some of the, the, with, with the pace and the the tone, I, I thought it remained relatively consistent and, I, I don't want to poo-poo this whole film and shit all over it. I, I don't want to do that because I I find myself to be, you know, I want to be swept away in these types of films. I, I mentioned it before. I can turn my brain off. I, I know that I'm overly critical, especially when it comes to these Marvel films uh, in, in recent years. I am overly critical of the studio system. But when you're playing around with films that cost north of $200 million, that there comes a level of accountability, you know, like these franchise films that, that there's a level of expectation that fans have. And I think they're warranted because these films do have such a, a huge fan base. I remember when Jurassic world came out and it's box office gross, you know, it was nearly $2 billion worldwide. And I was like, Holy shit. People love that first Jurassic park film. And that's what it comes down to. It's just how that film has played over years, over the years. And, you know, that, that first film has that awe and wonder. It has that, you know, the the morale, the the discussion. It has great characters. I, I just don't see that in this film and in, in this franchise, this rebooted franchise. I, I enjoy Jurassic World for what it is. And I, I would say in 2015, you know, it might have been my most watched movie. And that's a year with Mad Max Fury Road, um you know, a film I absolutely adore, but I, I found myself being swept up in the whole Jurassic Park nostalgia of it all because Jurassic Park, you know, I'm a 90s kid and it, it was a huge part of my youth and I, I don't like, you know, looking at things through rose-colored glasses and I think for the most part I'm pretty good at distancing myself from my anticipation and then what I get to see, you know. I, I like looking at it through a, a very objective lens and I think that I, I I'm relatively good at that. Sometimes I can't avoid it. You know, there's certain franchises where I have a built-in anticipation and an expectation for what I'm going to get. Um, but I'd, with Jurassic World, um, I I grew to become accustomed to what I was going to get. I knew that after those first two films, I was like, oh, "There's no way that this is going to save this trilogy." There's no way. It was it was like the the sequel trilogy in the new star wars um since disney took over you know, the force awakens established it's very similar very similar actually um force awakens establishes you know these characters again this world again we're all in, in it for the ride now let's do something exciting the last jedi fails to really do anything much with what's been established and then rise of is left picking up the pieces and i'd say that jurassic world is very similar we have you know reintroduction to the world, a new set of characters mixing the old with the new, um, not not to the extent that we have in this film with the inclusion of Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill, but we have enough of it in that first film. Fallen Kingdom comes along, Ian Malcolm shows up again, um, but the film takes a drastic different turn, uh, literally about halfway through, through it, um, and, and it turns into complete schlock by that third act. And then with this film we have a film that's kind of trying to wrap up, you know, six story, uh, six films worth of content in two and a half hours. And it, it doesn't ever feel rushed. And that, that, that that's, I guess, a testament to Colin Trevorrow and the way he's able to put a film together, but it almost feels like it's just not capturing that magic. It doesn't tonally fit with the rest of the franchise. um, and, That's an issue for me. I I just found myself to be completely disenchanted with what I was seeing. I found myself to be really annoyed with a lot of the decisions. Uh, I find the character of Macy Lockwood to be one of the most irritating in recent memory. And that's no comment on the actress. I think she's quite good. It's just the way the character actually is. Like, I found her to be really selfish. Um, I understand that, you know, imprisoning your daughter... um, You know, finding out that you're a clone and not being able to really accept that because you're so isolated from everything. I I understand where she's coming from, but, you know, what's better, being kidnapped by poachers or just living in harmony in the woods with your parents? I'd probably take the latter there. I I, I don't really get it. And I found that to be really irritating. Um, Her character's just annoying. Um, And I, I the whole B.D. Wong thing too, I haven't even touched on. B.D. Wong has been given too much scream time in these last three films as Henry. I, I I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, if you have the time to do it, then let's do it. But I have no problem with B.D. Wong as an actor. I think he's quite talented, and I've enjoyed him in smaller character roles. But uh, they give him a lot to do here, especially in this third film. Um, and I guess his arc is that he worked for the park. Um, now he works for... Um, Bias in this new tech conglomerate, um, and he's trying to right his wrongs, and I, I understand all of that, but man, did I find it really grating, especially, you know, when he's given as much screen time as he is. Like he's such a blank, a wet blanket, like, and it's like nostalgia purposes. We have him there. There's a lot of callbacks to Jurassic Park here. Ellie Sattler takes off her glasses in awe, similar to the way Alan Grant did in that first film, um. We have references to the the can uh, with Wayne Knight's character as well. There's a lot going on here. And I I appreciate that there are going to be fans of this, this film because this franchise has big, big fans. But man, oh, man, was I disappointed just with how this has been handled over the course of these three films. I feel like there is a neat little story to tell here, but it just hasn't been handled properly. And I don't know if you, you know reintroduced uh, Ellie Sattler, Ian Malcolm, Alan Grant in that first film. Maybe it could have played out differently, but I don't know. It would have been interesting to see actually how this film would have played out if the force awakens had, uh, had have been released before the first Jurassic world film. I would have really liked to have seen, you know, how the writers handled it there. Um, Because the fact that Jurassic world came out before them is quite interesting. Actually, it's, it's, interesting to see two films that are doing the exact same thing do it slightly differently um, and I, I found that to I find that to be really really fascinating So our big bad in this film is Lewis Dodgson played by Campbell Scott um, Campbell Scott is downright bad in this film I, I thought, He was quite, quite bad. Um, He's obviously trying to do something like give his character some traits, you know, some mannerisms, but it comes across incredibly awkward and just doesn't really fit uh, with the film. And considering, you know, you're introducing this character at at this point in this franchise, I just found it to be really, really poorly done. I I think, you know, keeping B.D. Wong as the villain would have just been a lot easier because he's been in the last two films, at least as connective tissue there. Somehow Rafe Spall's character maybe survives. I don't know. Just do something different because he just felt very been there, done that. And I thought that he was really bad uh, in the film. Uh, He famously played Richard Parker, Peter Parker's uh, dad in the Amazing Spider-Man films. You heard me right too. That's Richard Parker. Dick Parker. Um, Yeah. Interesting. 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 I just found him to be downright bad here. I don't really understand why we needed even a big bad. You know, let, let's have um some idealistic billionaire um, create a dinosaur sanctuary, but um, something's gone wrong. Maybe maybe um Claire and Owen uh, are working there or something, and Macy sneaks along. I know that's what happens in the Lost World, but uh, she gets lost in the park, and we are got to go and save her. Even if it's been there, done that, it's just a bit better than... You know, having this this big tech conglomerate, um, you know, trying to destroy the world, it, that also feels very been there, done that. So I don't know. Uh, and Colin Trevorrow in interviews saying, "Oh, this, um, you know, th- this is the story I wanted to tell." It's like, ah, oh, I can't believe this is where he wanted to go with this. It's just so fascinating. It's so bizarre. Um, and overall, I I, I just find myself really done with it. I don't want to see any more Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, Jurassic anything. Uh, I'm done very done this is a this is a well-milked cow at this point that there's nothing left um the the creative banks are are dry here um i I don't see them potentially doing anything else here Uh, the ending sort of leaves it a bit open-ended to uh, not these characters returning as such but potentially doing spin-offs maybe of different stories with dinosaurs in the real world you know if you do it if you do it well and you do it right, you could do something fun. Um, there was a couple of um, different short films and even a prologue. And even the original leaked, like, nine minutes of IMAX footage didn't wasn't even in this film. Um, it wasn't leaked. It, it appeared before, I think, maybe No Way Home. Um, none of that's here, uh, which is really fascinating. So we had, um, in 2019... Um, it was a short film and it was quite interesting it revolved around um it revolved around these characters in like a trailer park um and uh, i can't actually remember uh, battle of big rock that's what it was called um and it was fully cg'd and it looked quite good um the idea was these characters yeah at, at a trailer park and a dinosaur sort of wanders in the trailer park and they have got to stay in there the um uh, their caravan I think they were in. Um, That's like the general premise. It was like an eight-minute short and it was quite entertaining. And it was fully CG'd um, and finished effects and it looked quite good. But that was that was quite fun. Um, And stories like that could be interesting, maybe even short films, maybe do an anthology series or something. That could be fun. Um, If you're going to go down this road, because I'd say this film's going to make all the money. I think it's already made over half a billion dollars worldwide um, and my screening was absolutely packed. So... I know people are going to flock to the cinemas to see this because of the name. It's a franchise that's well known around the world. Um, And it's a franchise that continues to do well, uh, even, you know, nearly 30 years on from the fact. And I I find it interesting just to see where we're at Um, and, and, you know, what will happen from here. Like I said, the the door's open, but I prefer it closed. Um, I I just don't care anymore. I'm, I'm really, really done with this franchise. Um, I, I appreciate Colin Trevorrow's love for the original film, and Spielberg's an executive producer, so he obviously understands. You know, he understands his money to be made. Uh, I know that, um, but I, I don't know. Even going to like, let's let's just briefly talk about some of the visual effects. I I found found the way that some of the visuals are presented in the film to be interesting because there's a lot of use of um, practical effects and animatronics. In particular, uh, which is cool because that first film blends CG with practical effects and animatronics so so seamlessly. It's such a good looking film, and even on from you know nearly thirty years on, it still looks as good as it did in you know in nineteen ninety three. It, it continues to you know withstand that test of time, and um, this film definitely utilizes them with CG enhancements, of course, and there is uses of CG here. A uh, slowed down frame rate though. I think because they move differently uh, than I, I've noticed previously, and I don't know if that's period accurate. I'm not entirely sure, but I definitely know that there was a slowed down frame rate of the dinosaurs because they all looked, um, they all moved very, very jaggedly, um, which isn't a criticism because I'm sure that was done. That was done on purpose because it was quite blatant. Um, but I, I thought it was really, yeah, really, really interesting. And some of the visuals here are re- really fascinating. Some of them look really good. Um, and I, I, I admire the team and, and their construction of how some of those look, but there's a lot here that, that I found to be, I don't know, j- just just poorly poorly executed. A lot of the dinosaurs look the same, and I, I understand, again, that's period accurate, but that a, creates a bit of a problem when I can't tell which dinosaurs which. which, um, especially in the T-Rex fight at the end. The T-Rex is fighting the Gigagantrosaurus, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, the two of them are fighting, and, I mean, this T-Rex at this point, uh, this poor thing, It's it's been, been through the ringer. It's fought the Indominus Rex. It's killed Rafe Spall. Um, it's been captured off the island. It's done a lot, this T-Rex, and, man, oh, man, um, it, you think it's dead again, and it nearly winks at the camera as, it, as it's done previously, and I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it, it's, a, it's a well-worked, well-milked cow, like I said, Um I find as well, Colin Trevorrow compared this new dinosaur as well to um, to the Joker. And I was like, oh my God, why? How? How is this the Joker? Oh, it was such a bizarre comment. I haven't read further into the interview. It was one of those clickbaity articles and that was the he- the heading. And I was like, how oh, is this the Joker? What are you talking about, you fool? Um, but anyway, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't recommend this one to people who are like me. Um, you know if you like the first film um, it's cool to see those characters back and I I would recommend it on that Uh, if you want to see those characters back on the big screen again then that's quite entertaining Um, but if you're looking for anything else substance you're not going to find it here Um, a compelling plot definitely not going to find it here there's some big issues with the execution of of certain plot points the presentation of certain characters there's issues There's, there's big issues but I think if you're a fan of the franchise, you're going to like it. I was going to recommend it to young kids just because of how simplistic the plot is, but there are moments that are probably too violent and too scary for children. So, yeah, maybe if you're a fan of the original Jurassic Park and if you've liked the Jurassic World films, you're going to love this one. I, I Just for me, personally, I didn't love it. Um um, a lukewarm recommendation to those people, but people like me, um, I think stay clear. Go and watch Top Gun Maverick again. Um, yeah, guys, that brings this review to a close. Um, it is a bit of a longer discussion, um, but it was something I wanted to talk about because, uh, like I said, I've had mixed feelings about this franchise for quite some time, and I guess with this, this entry in it, I just wanted to wrap things up. Close the loop. Um, and discuss it. Um, you can pre-order the film currently on 4K DVD, Blu-ray, whatever your preferred format is, down below on the Kicks website. Uh, use the code OzGeek15 to receive 15% off your order. That's OzGeek15. Uh, I've left a link down below, so definitely go and um, pre-order that one if you're keen uh, for it on physical media when it does arrive. Uh, make sure you check out my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OzMovieGeek. Um, you can also uh, send me a message on Gmail, ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. Uh, any film recommendations or if you just want to get in touch and talk movies, always willing, always excited to, to have a chat with you guys. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, make sure you check out my review for Top Gun Maverick too. Um, not Top Gun Maverick too. Top Gun Maverick as well. Uh, I released that one last week as well as the week before, the Bob's Burgers movie, the week before that, the Chip and Dale uh, Rescue Rangers film that's currently streaming on uh, Disney+. Plus. I'm going to have a review up shortly to um, Obi-Wan Kenobi when it's finished. Um, I'm about to watch episode five, so let's see how we go with this one. Um, I'm... Very, very lukewarm on this one as well. And I, I hate to be a party pooper, but it's just not good. Um, so we'll discuss that when it's finished. Um, but, yeah, a lot a lot in the pipeline, a lot released. So make sure you go and check out those reviews and subscribe, rate the podcast down below. Uh, thank you, guys. You're, you're wonderful. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again next week. But until next time, peace out. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm.